Welcome back to the Highland Podcast, back to review this weekend's Premier League action. And again, we find ourselves with only one place to start. A game that you didn't even give Chelsea a chance. Not a hope. For all. What a, yeah, I mean... It, uh, here's the thing though, right? I didn't give Chelsea a chance. But since the game... And it's actually... This is coming from a tweet I, that we both saw actually, I think, online. And it was it was a very simple one. It was it said Chelsea play to the level of their opponent, and I, th- I thought it was it, it hit the nail on the head. That absolutely hits the nail like, on the head. I think they just match, which is uh, phenomenal that they, they, they were able to match City, but they just match the type of atmosphere, the type of quality, the type of you know ability that, that the team that they end up playing against too. And it, it's it's. It kind of that's that's where I kind of wanted to start with, with what I think of Chelsea because they shouldn't have had much of a chance in that game, in my opinion. What did you think? I don't know what it was, and this is a bit of a high line podcast exclusive. Right here we go. But I woke up Sunday morning and I said to you, "No, you did actually." That I thought Chelsea had something for City. Yeah, and I and I, I don't know what it was, but I woke up and I just thought Chelsea, because I kind of hinted at it in the previous podcast I said yeah. confidence is a funny thing and I feel like they take confidence out of the last game yeah. and they came flying out of traps they did at Sanford Bridge they were brilliant from the start like City that's City for that, that's not a penalty in my eyes City's penalty what do you think City's penalty is not a penalty I don't no. think it's a penalty not at all um, if you're going to start giving penalties for that you need to expect to see four or five penalties every game because that sort of stuff happens but, all the time. But also, if you're gonna, if that's consistently a foul all the time, then Cucurella was fouled first. Yeah, absolutely. So, so it's a free out. So yeah. th- there's no, you know, th- I think neither are fouls. Haaland gains the advantage from pulling from Cucurella pulling, back. From cu- and then pulling Cucurella's Cucurella. desperately fighting back because it's Haaland at the back post and the yeah. ball is coming in. And Cucurella has to now work back to get that advantage back and the only way he does that is by being physical with Haaland which is what you want your defensive player to do absolutely so I don't think I don't think that's a penalty at not all. a chance and but, add, add to the fact that Haaland wasn't even getting there no he the wasn't, wasn't Tiago Silva had it completely under control and he cleared yeah. it so I, I under no circumstances that a, is that a penalty for me so I do think Chelsea had much better starts at the game I still I know there's a lot of goals I still get the feeling that City were in third gear I think that's w- another massive talking point you can take out of that game because for as good as Chelsea were and how impressive Chelsea were, the fact that City can still score four goals away from home yeah. in third gear is incredible. Yeah, they incredible. Are an incredible team. Yeah. And it happens every season. They are gonna they have another level to yeah. reach. And when they reach that level, it's curtains. They're gonna be Again, what, fantastic. What did you think of midfield battle in the game? Because it was the first game I watched from Man City where I thought Rodri got out, outfought in the midfield. He wasn't in control. He wasn't secure. We're kind of clearing up from the back line. And it was the first game I watched where I thought maybe the other midfield got the better of him. No, absolutely. Rodri wasn't himself. And I think in contrast to that, I think it's the first game 
where Chelsea's midfield actually played to their potential. Mm. Because that Chelsea midfield has all the attributes in the world to dominate any midfield in the world. Mm. Like Caicedo, Fernandez, and Conor Gallagher has surprised me a lot. Yeah, so I, surprising. He was good at Palace, and I thought Chelsea would use that as a kind of excuse to just cash in on him now because yeah. I didn't think he was going to reach a higher level than he did at Palace. I thought Palace was his level. Yeah. But this season especially, he's stepped up and he's he's been a leader in that team mm. and he's been the driving force for Chelsea. He gets the ball, he drives them forward, he harries teams, hassles teams and although he was known for his doggedness before, he's actually showing quality on the ball which is he something has. I didn't think was a strong no. suit at all and I've been really impressed with Gallagher. Fernandez is taking a bit of time to heat up a bit and mm. there's a couple of instances in the game where Caicedo Caicedo could have been a bit stronger in the tackle I think a few of City's goals came from Caicedo getting rolled easily but I for how they were really good and I think there's still a level for that Chelsea midfield to go up as well I think I think Pochettino is on to something now at the minute I think they'll take this international break as well they've got two really good results mm-hmm. two really good performances well, maybe not so performances, but they can take a lot of positives from the last two games. And Pochettino especially will take a lot of positives from that because they needed big results. So a few standouts from the game, I think, as well. Like I thought going into the game that Doku was going to have a field day. I really thought up against kind of Reese James, who in my opinion is the best right back in the league when fully fit. He's not fully fit. You see, he had to come off again at the, at, the, at the weekend. I thought Doku, with his dribbling ability, his pace, everything, he would really cause Reese James a huge amount of problems. And Reese James just showed his level again. He just cleaned up. Doku didn't have a sniff when Reese James was on the pitch. In my opinion, I thought Reese James was phenomenal in defence and going forward, adding to the attack. I think the way Pochettino has set up his, his full backs is different to how all the previous. Chelsea managers have you'll even go back as far as Tuchel where he Tuchel always had both fullbacks bombing it forward he had Reese James bombing forward and Chilwell bombing it forward at the same time really leaving those at the time three defenders at the back whereas Pochettino is really putting the emphasis on Reese James getting forward if you looked Cucurella was always the one that stayed back and nearly tucked in as a third centre half it was always Sterling isolated on his own on the left which he was well able to deal with so Sterling was phenomenal that game as well but Reese James was given that license. So I don't know, will that change when Chilwell comes back? What do you think? Will Chilwell be given the license to go forward or will he, like Ucarella, kind of hover more defence-minded and tuck in? No, I think Chilwell will bomb forward as well. I think yeah. that was evident from, <clears throat> I go back to the, actually the first game of the season, Chelsea versus Liverpool. Yeah. And Chilwell and Reese James were bombing forward. I think Ucarella kind of tucking in is more so to do with his lack mobility of mobility going, yeah. going forward. Yeah. But I think... One of the main observations I took from watching Chelsea, especially in that first half, was, wow, they are such a different team with Reese James on the pitch. Ah, different. Because he, he is incredible. He's such a class. And when he got the captaincy, I kind of was like, oof, that's a, that's a big call for a young player. Especially for a player that's as injury prone as he yeah. is. You, kind, you want your captain to be constantly Ever available. present. But the leadership he shows and the level that Chelsea team go up when he's in it, I can see why he was given the captaincy. And you can tell he's well respected around that dressing room as well. And the Chelsea fans love him and it's impossible not to because he is a hell of a player. And like you said, 
best right back in the league. I'd I'd have to agree with that. Yeah. Thiago Silva put in a great performance again and he became, I believe, the third uh, oldest goal scorer in Premier League. Lazy leg. It was, city a, goal. it was a lazy, lazy leg, leg. city goal. And again, Rodri, Rodri nearly feels inevitable in those sort of situations. He always pops up with a goal. Yeah. And it's not what he's known for. And he he made up for what was a poor performance, but he always seems to just pop up with a goal. But I think the standout players for Chelsea were the two former City boys. Palmer. I think Palmer and Sterling, yeah. Sterling especially, the two of them were incredible. And I've been really impressed with Cole Palmer since he's joined. Yeah. And I was another one where I had question marks over the sign and over 45 the fee, million, yeah. everything. Because whilst he was good for City, he didn't come on a lot. No. He's already and played more for Chelsea than he did for City. Yeah, like that's incredible. And Pochettino obviously loves him because he was thrown straight in straight and he hasn't in. left. No. And he's got a wonderful left foot as well. Incredible player. I, I was shocked he's on penalty duty for, for Chelsea. Yeah, he, he even said after the game that he doesn't practice them. He said in an interview with Patrick Davison on Sky, he said that he doesn't even practice penalties. He just trusts his natural instincts when he gets in front wow. of him. And that's incredible. Incredible. He nearly had a wonder goal as well. He did. Beaten two or he three. Did. And, uh, very, very He'll be replaying that at yeah. night when he goes to bed because that what a moment that would have been. Still, Phenomenal. the penalty in the 90... Phenomenal. The 94th minute, I think it was. Yeah, incredible um, nerve to unbelievable nerve way. right right when he you know he knows that's the game on the line like he knows he has to get the yeah. goal to try and get the point for, for Chelsea he knows he'll be the man on the on the front page yeah no matter what no matter which way it goes good or bad and he stepped up and he looked like it, it was nothing to him no. he just slotted it into the corner incredible goal let me let me shift to this really really interesting game Wolves against Spurs we called it a game we did call, I said, Wolves are going to win that game. You did. And Wolves did win the game. And now it did take a while. It, t- oh, it, it took, took a while. It took a good while. But but very, very deserving of the win. What do you think? Absolutely deserving of the win. Yeah. Um, I feel it is what Gary O'Neill deserves after two horrible decisions that have gone against him. Mm. And you could see in his in his celebration how much the win actually meant to him. Mm. And it was great to see because Gary O'Neill deserves a lot of praise for the situation he's he walked into there. And he was a man with a point to prove. And you can never underestimate a man with a point to prove. No. Because Bournemouth really, really might have made a mistake, but I feel like he was very hard done by being let go by Bournemouth there. Yeah. And he walked he went into a Unstable club at Wolves and they look, they look well stable now. People forget Lopetegui left on yeah. his own accord mm-hmm. because of the lack of transfer business. Wolves was, right before that season started, Wolves was a cesspit really to be in. And Wolves' first game of the season was against Man United at Old Trafford, so it was a very rough start. And they were very unlucky to come away very with nothing unlucky. from that game. Very unlucky. So he had, them, he had them on side from the very start of the season in fairness to Gary Neal. I thought they dominated the whole game. The amount of chances they created, they do lack that quality. Like they the do. corners were so number, poor. They're a number nine away from being a, a really good team. Yeah. Because they had a lot of chances and it took an absolute beauty from Pablo oh, Sarabia. Sarabia's goal is... He got the goal and he got the assist and he only came on the pitch in the 88 minute. Yeah, and by the 97th, he had goal and contributed to a 2-1 win. Yeah. Incredible. And I thought Wolves' midfield especially were excellent. Who's your and, standout? Oh, Lamina. Absolutely Lamina. Yeah. He was fantastic. Breaking up play, switches of play, 
driving the ball forward, attack, defence, everything. He was brilliant. And I thought, it's, actually, Ryan Aitan Nori was excellent as well. He, dribbling was phenomenal. Dribbling All was game phenomenal. he had that on tap. Contributing, attacking, End product. wise. He was really good, mm. Aitan Nori. And I thought Kilman and... What's his name? Kilman, Totty and Dawson. Yeah. I thought the three of them were really good at the back. And Barr Spurs' goal in the second minute, they didn't really have a lot of chances after that. What, what did you think of Spurs? I think... Spurs are going to feel the effects of their poor squad now yeah. because the players that came in for their key players aren't even, aren't even 50% of Off the players the they're replacing. Yeah. You look at their back four and you're not surprised that they're shipping chances left, right and centre. Eric Dyer hasn't kicked a ball in months Emerson Royale's playing left back. Ben Davies is playing centre back. And Pedro Porro has actually been good, but like Pedro Porro can only do so much yeah, as a right back. I know, I know. That back four that wouldn't back fill me with no. any confidence no. whatsoever. Spurs will hope that Ben Tancor is match fit really soon because you wouldn't want to hang your hat on Heiberg. The international break has come at a good time for Spurs. They have yeah, that, that week I know, but their injuries are long-term ones. Like, Madison's out till the new year. Van de Ven Ven is out till the new year. Romero. Romero's mm. gone for another, or could actually be one game, because he got two yellows. Yeah. But Doggy's... New Doggy is back, so, like, Romero and New Doggy will, will be back. Yes. Yeah. Still, they need Van de Ven in there. He's he's integral how they play because he if it's still, the rest of them it'll down. be interesting to see actually if Romero will partner Dyer or Ben Davies again because you can tell Postacoglu likes a left footed centre half in there. Clearly, and I think Dyer will be raging if the likes of Ben Davies is starting in centre half ahead of him. No, without a doubt, and like I feel, I feel Spurs are going to be taken back down to earth and kind of the whole purple patch of Ange winning three manager. Manager the months on the bounce is really just gonna show that his squad was it was good and he, his squad doesn't have the depth to deal with the type of football that he wants to play with. It, it, that's my opinion. I don't think I don't no, think they right. have a good enough squad to get to that. Top this is four. this is the test that Postacoglu, that was inevitably going to come for Postacoglu, and I always was waiting for this exact moment because I yeah. felt it was all going so swimmingly well that football is never this good and you always get brought back down to earth. And it's how you deal with it. Fortunately for Postacoglu, I feel like he's already built up enough credit in the bank to trust him. But it's very, very evident that there's a lot of squad building that needs to be done there before he can consistently play the way he wants to play and consistently get results. But I think they will back him. January will be interesting, I think. I think they might make a few signings. Do you think they'll get a striker? I wouldn't say striker would be number one on the would list. Would you not Son up there right now. on his own? I think Son is doing enough up there, but he obviously needs Madison behind him. They need a, a young number 10 to come in so that if Madison does get injured, because Madison has a history of getting injured. Yeah. If Madison does get injured, they're not completely fucked, yeah. essentially. And the, 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 it, it showed with the lack of chances they created and the lack of that player in midfield that can really progress the ball without having to play two or three passes. They missed that hugely uh, against There's no creativity. There is none. That. Like, what was it, Hoiberg? Hoiberg, Basuma and Saar. It's and not. Basuma's great. Saar, he's been good, but... 
And Hoiberg is I feel not like Bentancourt takes over Sar's place once he's he fit. He is when he's fully fit. And Hoiberg, there's no creativity in Hoiberg. No. There's no defensiveness in Hoiberg either. He's just... He's a job player. Like Jose had him playing a re- You know, yeah. he had him doing a job when he was there, but that's what Jose He reminds do me players. of like Herrera at United. At United, yeah. He's given a task to just... And he sticks to it. And he that's sticks it. to it. You don't expect anything more, anything less. No. Where we were wrong in our kind of predictions, we kind of glossed over the game as well at the very end of our last podcast at our, our preview for the weekend. We said Newcastle will go to Bournemouth and find it reasonably easy to get the three points there, which turned out to be very, very fast. Maybe a bit naive on our part. I think so. I don't think we took into account the amount of injuries Newcastle have. Yeah, they have a good few out, don't they? They do, they have loads out. Like, I mean, they have Wilson, Isaac, uh, Gamares was suspended. Botman's out. Botman's out, and he's huge at the back Yeah, he's huge. I mean, and at home, especially, I think the last home game Bournemouth played, they won as well. So... I think we I think we did gloss over that a bit too willy nilly. Yeah. But um yeah, it's not a good week for Newcastle. Not a good it's been a rough patch for Newcastle, really, when you think about they it. They find themselves bottom of the Man Champions United. League group, behind Man United in the league table, which I'd actually from if you heard of the conversations since the start of the season, yeah. you would never have thought that. And just they're in need of a win fairly, very fairly soon now they're in need of a win. Considering where they were when we filmed our review last week, they had just beaten Arsenal at home. Yeah. And they were on a great run of form. Yeah. Just a week later and their bottom, as you say, the bottom of the Champions League group, Dortmund schooled them Schooled again. them twice. And even though they had injuries and they were away from home, you shouldn't be getting schooled by Bournemouth. No, you shouldn't. Because they've been poor this season. Yeah. But um, interesting one, actually. What, what are your thoughts on Dominic Solanke? I think he's a great striker for a team like Bournemouth. Yeah. I think he can definitely. He, he won't. He won't get disheartened by the lack of creativity behind him. He won't get disheartened by the lack of chances. He'll wait. He'll be patient for those chances he does get. He'll take. I thought he took his two chances at the weekend. Great. So that's kind of. I think he's a great striker for those sort of teams. I think he's the best striker of any of the strikers in the relegation teams that have come up, the promotion team that have come up. I think he's the best. Yeah. And I think that's why I think Bournemouth have the best chance of those promoted teams to stay in the Premier League. Results like that against Newcastle go a long way, those three points. So I definitely think Solanke is very, very useful for Bournemouth. Yeah, he's definitely the most dependable striker yeah. in that relegation scrap. And experienced. And experienced. In the top flight. I feel like he's a bit slept on. That's why I asked the question. Yeah. Um, he always scores goals and he's always dependable yeah definitely that's why I had to ask the question I like well, Solanke a huge a huge revelation kind of that we we didn't even realise that's come at this the, the, the Premier League table since the weekend Aston Villa another comfortable win they're incredible and they're now three points behind league leaders amazing what a job Emery's done what a job what a job how and far can they go how far can they go yeah. I think do you think they can be the Champions League next year I think the sky's the limit for Aston Villa at the minute especially if you look at it the inconsistency around them. Mm-hmm. They have been incredibly consistent. You can't even say it's early season luck anymore. They've It's November now and they're keeping up with performances. Yeah. And, and I remember, they remember the start of the season, I remember sitting down with you. In Portugal, we actually watched Newcastle, Aston Villa and we were like, this is, look, this is a tight game. Yeah. I think Newcastle are a good team. Aston Villa are a good team and Newcastle schooled them. So they still had to recover 
from that opening day of the season schooling. Mm. I had said I said to someone not long ago. It was my dad actually I was talking to him about Aston Villa. Mm. And I said, there is absolutely no reason why Aston Villa cannot finish above Newcastle. No. Because when I look at Aston Villa's team compared to Newcastle's, mm. I actually think on paper Villa's is better. I disagree. I absolutely okay. I absolutely disagree. And I'm gonna go through it, right? Yeah, okay, go goalkeepers. I have Martinez better, right? Okay. But I'd go to I go to the midfield. I think Bruno Guimaraes is better than any midfielder that Aston Villa have. Okay, but there's more than one midfielder in the team. There is. Um, Are you I taking think, I, like Longstaff I, 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 over I, Douglas Luiz and Kamara? I don't think it's a huge. I don't think it's a huge. And with Tenali out as well. Tenali is better than any yeah, of Villa's midfielders. Not there. He's not there at the minute. I think. I know Ollie Watkins is playing phenomenal at the minute, but I do. Do I, not tell me you're taking Callum Wilson over him. I take Isaac over him. I, I, I'm manager of a club tomorrow and I have two options to sign Alexander Isaac or Ollie Watkins. I take an Isaac. No, I'm taking Watkins. No, I'm taking Isaac. I think. No, I'd have Isaac. I, I think Ollie Watkins can't show much more now. He can't. That's, that's the thing. I think Isaac can show so much more. I think Watkins is at his level. This is as good as he's going to get. And he's playing great. This is as good as he's going to get. Isaac can go much further than Watkins, much higher ceiling than Watkins. I'd be much more excited if 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 a team that I supported signed Isaac over Ollie Watkins. If my team signed Ollie Watkins, I'd be absolutely over the moon. I don't know. I, I really don't. I like, I mean, I love Joe Linton too. I really do. Joe Linton over Kamara, Louise... McGinn well, Joe Linton and Tielemans Joe Linton has been coming in he's midfield but coming in off the left as well I'd also take Anthony Gordon over Leon Bailey what about Diaby mm, I'd tell you what I'd take no, we still have to talk about Almiron here I know I would I'd, I'd take Diaby over Almiron and give me Gordon over Leon Bailey what about Zaniolo been pretty good since he signed yeah it's it they're they're very tight. I I would. I would edge it to Newcastle. I think Newcastle's backline's better as well. I think Botman's better than any centre half. Uh, any centre half that Villa have. I think Kieran Trippier's better than any full back Villa have. In my opinion, like I'd go Dinia over Dan Byrne. I'd go Trippier though. Yeah. I'd go Botman. Yeah. And I'd go. I'd probably go Shar over Konza. Okay, no, that's silly. I probably would. I go Shar over Konza. I don't. I don't hugely rate Konza or or Pau Torres. Pau Torres can get there, but he hasn't been amazing since. Konza's brilliant. He's getting there. He wasn't with Mings. There was a mistake in him when he partnered Mings. More so Mings than Konza, I would say. Yeah, but yeah, they leaked a lot. But they're only whatever. Are they a year with Emery now? Yeah, they were a year at the end of October. So they, I mean they've. They're only getting better. That's what I would say. They're only getting better. Eddie Howe's been there longer as well. And they're both managers that seem to improve the, the teams that they're, that they're with. Do you know what I mean? I know what you mean. It's a tight one. I would still edge it to Newcastle. Especially, okay. even when you think, right, so we're having a debate here over Isaac and Ali Watkins. No, I don't, don't get me wrong. I love Isaac. I just, yeah. want, to, I just want to put that on record. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. Isaac is one of my favourite strikers. But take, Ollie take Watkins out. Who, who, who's going in there now instead of Ollie Watkins? Say Ollie Watkins gets injured tomorrow. Who's for going up front Villa. for Villa? 
Oh, who's he? That lad. Wh- whereas, exactly. Whereas you take Isaac out and Callum Winston's in. Okay, yeah. Yeah. A huge better. A, hu- a huge amount better. I think Newcastle are still the better team. I think Villa possibly have the better manager. Villa do have the better manager. But here's a question I want to pose to you, right? And I've seen this just with regard to managers, right? I think the 90% of the same public would have Klopp and Guardiola. They're the best two managers in the league. Yeah. Who's the third? Would you have an argument for Emery? Yeah, well, absolutely. His CV would suggest that. I mean, give me, the, give me another the manager. Failing, the give me another manager in the league that's won a European Cup, and don't say David Moyes to me. <laughs> the the failings of Arsenal, the fail, and that was a failing. I think Emery's okay. Emery's go, bare margin there. Then why couldn't Emery succeed at Arsenal? Not saying Arteta has fully succeeded at Arsenal, but he's got Arsenal much further than Emery I, the did. The way I see it is now. Emery had a very similar job to Moyes. I think it's incredibly hard to come in after a manager that's been there for so many years mm. and for fans to then expect patience. Yeah. Like, Emery got Arsenal to a Europa League final in his first season. Yeah. And then he was shipped. True. I think, and you could make a case, like, David Moyes had a similar job at Man United. It's just such a tough job to come in after such solid foundations that have been there for 20 plus years. Yeah, it is. And come in and expect to be given the time that you need to build a team that has gone from the same voice for the last 20 years. I think it's nearly, it's an impossible job. Yeah. But I th- I do think, and I think he learned from that as well. Like he went to Villarreal and won the Europa League. But I think he suits that kind of team as well. I think he suits, he suits an underdog and, yeah he does because he's a bit of an underdog himself yeah. and he loves the challenge of getting a team that aren't considered up there and dragging them up there yeah. because he has he's absolutely dragged Aston Villa up to up there at the minute like we forget they were really relegation contenders when Gerrard left they were dreadful under Gerrard dreadful absolutely dreadful what he's done he's transformed that whole club yeah. top to bottom a few surprises of the weekend. Brighton couldn't get the three points at home to Sheffield. I've been saying this. Yeah, I've been saying this for a while. Brighton's poorness is going extremely under the radar. Yeah, they haven't won since September. What? They haven't won since September. I won a Premier League fourth of September. I looked it up. Twenty fourth of September, they won it. I can't remember who they bet, but they, they, that was their last win. Jeez, they're in trouble. They are in trouble. Well, they're not in trouble. It's. For, for how much they're praised and the Zerbi's style of play is praised. That's what winds me up a little bit, is the praise that the Zerbi gets. And it's like, the result doesn't matter. He plays great football. like Similar to Ange, small bit. That, that only gets you so far, this incredible football only gets you so far. Yeah. You need results. Yeah. But I, I, the only bit of sympathy I'd have is I do think he's trying to bed in new players. The lost two major yeah. midfielders like Caicedo and McAllister are massive losses and their signings this summer I think they kind of went away from their policy that have been doing so well for them of signing these unknowns like if you look at their summer window it was Joe Pedro yeah. and he didn't exactly blow me away at Watford No, and he hasn't exactly blown me away since he's joined and Sufati is not a signing they would typically make. No. Balaba is. 
but they paid twenty five million for him. It's not like Brighton to spend to spend that much twenty five million yeah. on a player. And James Milner. Yeah. It's just, I thought it was a strange summer window. Mm. And Ansu Fati has actually done relatively well. I thought he was going to be nothing. That I did think it was one of those. It, it was one of those Renato Sanchez. It was yeah. one of those, you know, those signings. One of those high profile players when they were younger. They go through a bit of a slump. They go to a mid a mid table, table Premier, Premier League, League side. team and they just can't do it. Handle it. Yeah. But as of now, he's been good. But I, I think Brighton need. I think Deserby needs to get a, a win. He needs to get some wins. They did win during the week against Ajax away. Which is a great result. Yeah, Ajax, I, Ajax, Ajax haven't are, been anything to cheer home about. Ajax are near the relegation season. zone in, in yeah, their division, so I wouldn't say. You know, that's yeah, a, but Brighton is an interesting one, and it's definitely one to keep an eye on because they're slipping under the cracks, and I never like a team that slips under the cracks when they deserve a bit of criticism. Christmas could be a tough time for Brighton. They'll be very, very interesting to watch the over the Christmas period. A lot of games, yeah. and Deserby loves rotating. Yeah, but he doesn't really, in my opinion, I don't think he has the squad. This season, I think their squad is a bit underwhelming. Mm. And when you compare them to the likes of Newcastle and Villa, no, they're not there. Who they're up with, they're not contending there. with. I don't think they have a squad yeah. as good as either of them. Let me shift to this now. A fantastic away win for Everton again. Yeah, Everton are clicking. They're clicking. I'm liking what I'm liking what I'm seeing from Everton, especially. What do you think it's down to? Think of who? What do you think it's down to? What do I think it's down to? I think Calvert Lewin coming back is massive. Do you rate him? Yeah, when he's fit, which seems to be once in a blue moon. Yeah. But I think Sean Dyche has gotten the midfield right. Mm. Like. Takure, Onana, and. Onana doesn't, doesn't really start a lot. He comes in in games, but Garner's been starting a lot recently. Mm. It's been Garner, Gay, and kind of Takure in a 10. Yeah. And I think Takure plays really well in that 10. Got another goal didn't he at the weekend. Corey, he yeah, he did, and a gay pitched in as well. Yeah, unlike him, very. And I think, despite the, Tarkowski did have a poor moment in that game. Yeah, Edward snuck in behind him and scored, but I think for he's got his back four so, like solidified now as well, which always helps. And Pickford isn't producing as much erratic moments, and if Pickford can True. stay simple, yeah. calm, composed. Pickford's a good goalie, but he can tend for everything to just get to his head, yeah. and he implodes, and he does something bonkers. He he can be a bon- he can he, he can be a bit of a firecracker. Pickford, like I, I thought, Everton were in serious trouble this year. I don't anymore. I kind of thought Dyche would eventually get them to where they started he needed the season them to poor. be. They did, but if you look at Everton's start, their XG was actually always really good. Right. They were missing. Crazy chances, right? Okay, like they were creating so many chances, and you'd be seeing, you'd be saying, "Geez, Dice is coaching these to three nil wins, and they're losing one nil yeah, because yeah, they concede yeah. a scrappy little goal." Yeah. So I think it's finally clicking for them now. I think the the mid the switch to put Dukure into the ten behind Calvert Lewin was a really good move by Dice, and I always fancy Dice. I like Dice. He's solid, and he I always thought he was the perfect manager for Everton. Especially for a striker like Calvert Lewin, Dyche must love working with him because he is his ideal striker. He is low, high ball. Yeah. He'll he'll be a hard nuisance. worker. Yeah, no, he 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 does suit the Dyche system. In fairness, the rest of the big six—the Arsenal, United, Liverpool—they all won. Yeah. 
appointment. And they were expected expectedly to win. so. Yeah. Which is important for all three of them. Yeah, absolutely. The, especially you look at you know you know Arsenal coming off the the kind of travesty say at at Newcastle. Yeah. United during the week having a disaster. Liverpool having a bit of a disaster in the Europa League during the week. They all came back to the Premier League this weekend with convincing enough victories. Would you call United's win convincing? I think if you watch the game, I think it was a very convincing performance. They dominated Luton start to finish. Very, very few mistakes at the back. I thought should have scored at least three goals, in my opinion. I thought Hoyland should have scored. I thought Rashford should have scored. I thought Canarcho could have scored. In the end, it was Lindelof from a kind of a scrappy corner. So I think those three definitely should have had a goal each. It's just a story United season, isn't it? it? it Their forwards can't finish. Like our entire forward line have one goal. Rashford and it's against it was against Arsenal. It, it, it's a huge. It, it, do you think it's becoming a problem now with Hoyland in the bar, in the Premier League that he can't find that goal because he had a golden chance again at the weekend? I think it's one of those things when he gets the first one, it'll all click for him. Do you think it'll fluctuate? But of course, it's getting that first one. That's the yeah. challenge. I think I like Hoyland a lot. I like his movement, yeah. and I think a, a striker, a bit like Nunes, I think a striker that has good movement and always gets himself into positions, it's bound to happen for him eventually. Yeah. And I don't I don't think scoring goals in the Premier League would be a problem for Hoyland. I think what could get him is the lack of consist the lack of stability at that club. It's like a cesspit, mm. a graveyard for players with potential like him. He started well, but that club can eat you alive. And if he goes, if he goes into the new year without a Premier League goal, like that, that's going to eat at him. Yeah. Because any Premier, any Manchester United striker that doesn't, that can't score a goal in the Premier League, it doesn't usually it doesn't end, work. end well for them. But I think, I think he need, he needs to get that first goal. He needs to... It's looked like he's only going to have now December to try and get it. He's out. He's injured. Yeah, he's out again. That's an, the huge amount of injuries again for United. So there's two more added. Ericsson is looking like he's going to be out till nearly enough the, the new year. And Hoyland's out for a couple of weeks now as well. So I suppose that means... What's it going to look like? Martial is back. That means the most dependable striker ever <laughs> slots himself back up number nine for United. Your favourite player. I love him. No idea why. What? The poor, he, the poor guy though. He, like you see him running around, he doesn't. He barely runs anymore. He's just he's not able. He is. He His is. He is a product of an injury every two weeks for the past eight years. Yeah, that's what Literally. he looks like. Running around. He's inevitable though. Think about the amount of strikers that have gone into United. The amount of high level strikers that have gone into United. They've come and they've gone. Yet. There Anthony Martial stays. I know. He's still there with the number nine on his back. I know. And he still somehow manages to squirm his way into starting up top for United. It's incredible. I don't know how he hasn't been I moved on. I don't know how on. he does it. Like. I don't know how he hasn't been moved on. But imagine he it was. He'd be Rashford again. I think that could nearly suit Rashford at the minute. I know. Because it's like I said in, a, in an episode earlier on that Rashford got all his goals last season by playing through the middle. And that's what makes me think, oh, I think Ten Hag could actually play Rashford striker. Garnacho on the left and Anthony right wing. Because that he needs Rashford needs goals mm. for himself. Yeah. And to kill the narrative of him being terribly poor. 
But I think an interesting one, like that United Galatasaray game at the end of October, or the end of October, the end of November, is a huge game for them in the Champions League. Yeah. And it's looking like they're not going to have Hoyland. I know. And Rashford is sent off from the game oh before. Oh my God, yeah. So they're going into that game with Garnacho, Martial, Anthony up top. And that's the only option. And that's, that's their it. most important game of the season. Yeah. It's not looking good for them it's in the Champions good. League. It really isn't. No, it really isn't. And it isn't even looking good for them getting into the Europa League. They could finish rock bottom. They could finish rock bottom. Like that Galatasaray game is in imperative. Turkey. In Turkey, it, it is imperative to go there and get three points. For a team like United going to that sort of an atmosphere, very fickle, I wouldn't I wouldn't fancy them to do it. Here's a question for you. Liverpool 3-0 win, mm. looking like themselves again. Mm. It's City next for them after the international break. Do you fancy them? Where is it? It's in the Etihad. I think this is Liverpool's. This, this is this is what they've this been is calling their test. The new Liverpool. This is their the test. New Liverpool. Yeah. This is their biggest test. I think this is. I think. I've been impressed with parts of them. Like I was very impressed with them at the weekend. I thought they took care of business. Brentford a good team coming to Anfield off the back of a strange kind of result midweek. They went out. They took care of business. Did what they had to do. They did what they had to do, and they, and they played well. Salah again. I mean. Oh, what a player! What a player! What a player! He's just where, a guy you want. Where does he rank for you in terms of say pre- be- best Premier League players of all time? Do you think he's up there? Is he up for discussion? Like, is he is he in a top ten or a top three? Maybe not a top three, but do you think he'll when think, he does yeah, move on? Yeah, will he get I that do, recognition? Yeah. I I do. I think because he he came with such little expectation and just blew us out of the water numbers wise. It's an exceptional consistently bit of consistently did it. He wasn't a one-season wonder. He did it again. He did it again. He did it again. And it's not like he didn't win anything. Won the Premier League, won the Champions League. So, absolutely, you'd have to rank Salah up there with some of the greats. Um, even if, as a player, in his play style, he's not my favourite mm-hmm. to watch. He, he's, he look, he's, just, he's more of a, a selfish kind of right forward. I wouldn't call him a winger. Yeah. He's more of a right forward and he's very selfish. But... His goal tally shows that. I think he's he, his numbers don't lie and he's he's been a fantastic player for Liverpool. I think he's been by far Liverpool's biggest player along with Alisson and, and Van Dijk for the past five years. But if when you ask me about Poole against City, I absolutely think Liverpool have a chance there. I absolutely do, especially when you look at what Chelsea were, man- were able to do against City. A lot of the time this season, I haven't been that impressed with City. They've just managed to get the win. They've Haaland up front. He's a huge factor. I mean... I think Jurgen Klopp gets that team going and manages to get a midfield that just matches cities on the day. They have enough firepower up front to get the goals. I really, really believe they have enough firepower. Darwin Nunes, he'll hit the ball hard, but sometimes it goes in. Yeah. And that's just the way he is. <laughs> Salah can get a goal anytime. Jota can get a fucking cheeky header at the back post anytime. They have goals in the team. So without a doubt, I think Liverpool have a good chance. I do think they have to go there and not lose for them to stay in that race. Yeah. Um, I think if they go there and get bet convincingly, it'll not only, you know, the table won't look as bad, but it'll be the kind of confidence that will really be damaged. They'll feel like they're not at it then. Um, what do you think? Yeah, I, I would never rule Liverpool out of a game like that. They always tend to turn up. And as you say, firepower up front. 
there's always a goal in them. Yeah. City, bit 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 lackluster at the back at the minute. Definitely. So yeah, I would definitely not rule Liverpool out. I just another quick one I want to pose mm. at you. Between Liverpool and Arsenal, who do you think has the best chance of challenging Arsenal for that title? Do you think? Arsenal, yeah, I do. I I think Arsenal have. Um, I think fully fit squad. I think Arsenal have. I think Arsenal's midfield is very better than Liverpool's. Do you, like I compare, I prefer Odegaard to any. I think creatively he's more creative than any of Liverpool's midfield, and I do love Sobislai. But I think he's bit more creative than any of Liverpool's midfield. I think Declan Rice is much better than McAllister in the six. Declan Rice cleans up, protects the back four so much better than McAllister does. That's not McAllister's favourite position. It's not his job. I don't love Endo. Haven't been impressed with Endo so far. Um, my favourite Liverpool midfielder is Trent when he tucks in. But that leaves that right, right, right flank just under so much jeopardy. Because Salah does not track. No. So I, I, I think... Arsenal operate at a better unit. I think definitely Liverpool have more firepower up front, but they don't always fire. Darwin Nunes can do anything. I think Martinelli is more consistent. The only, I just don't think, I just, I, if Arsenal got a striker, if Arsenal got a striker that guaranteed you 10 goals, only 10, they'd be really, really good. Okay, here's a question then. Liverpool get their number nine, or Liverpool by a number six. Mm. At top of the range, number six. Who? Like, who do they get? There's none out there. Chelsea have got Caicedo. Arsenal have got Declan Rice. United have Casemiro. City have have Rodri. It's Liverpool that really lack that six. I think if Liverpool signed a great number six and Arsenal signed a great number nine, right? They're the two things that yeah. the two teams are missing. Yeah. I think an incredibly clever pickup would be Joe Polina from Fulham. Fantastic. Fulham won't let him go easy. Bayern very nearly pipped him for 40 million. I know. At the end of the window last yeah. year. But Joe Polina is fantastic. And I think a lot of, if Polina nearly moved in the summer, he will move in January. And I don't think a Premier League club can afford to let him just go to Bundesliga. I know. Because he is so good. And I think if Liverpool signed Polina. That would solve a lot of problems for them. Mm. I think they're number six away from being up there again. Really, really good. Mm. Maybe a dependable centre half. If they sign the number six, does McAllister stay in the team for you? Yes. So you're you, so you gets. play so you play really good number six yes. and you play McAllister Sobislai. Yes. Okay. Because they're, they're you can tell you Klopp is still not absolutely set in his midfield. He had Gakpo no. in there as well last yeah. game. McAllister is completely wasting that team, and it's such a shame. He's a great player. He is unbelievable and the World Cup shows that. Yeah. The World Cup, how he's good he's been for Brighton and the fact that he's beat that of all the players, Gravenberch, Sobislai, McAllister, he's the one that was trusted with the number six yeah. out of all of them. Mm. Shows how good a player he is and I think he's completely wasted out there. I think it's such a shame. Yeah. But I do think Liverpool are a top of the range number six away from being a proper, proper threat. And I think both teams need to do everything in their power come January to get them two positions sorted. Yeah, I know. Because City City will kick on. They will. 
but that mightn't be till February or March and you need to gain as much ground as possible yeah. and I think if they sort them two positions out get firing in January there's no excuse why they can't push City right to the very end not saying they can beat them but they can definitely push them well hopefully some one of them do push them no absolutely because I thought Arsenal had it in them last season but they just fell at the final hurdle It the league needs someone to properly 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 put City under a bit of pressure yeah. Because no one, bar Liverpool, back in 2018, 2019, mm. no one has put them under pressure since. No. And the league needs that. No, I, I, I agree fully. I, I think, like we all want, no matter which team we want to win, we all want a great title race. Yeah. Like that's where the most, the top of the table is where the most. That's where the entertainment is. That's where the entertainment is. Because that's where the, that's where the superstars are and that's where the best games that's are. That's where the clutch moments come yeah. out. That's where you know who's a player and who's yeah. not. Exactly, so uh, hopefully some teams can kind of really kind of put City under that type of pressure that are coming towards February, March, April, May. Um, to finish out today though, we have a right and a wrong. Yeah. What we predicted on last Friday for the weekend, and I like I know we haven't got a video yet going for the podcast, but we're fully, fully working on. Yeah. But if there was a video on this podcast, you would see my face now, and it would be extremely smoke. Yeah. Jamie, well, Jamie can confirm. I am. I am yeah, very smoke. He's right very now. smoke. Well, you absolutely smashed it. And Three I hope, calls. And I hope people trusted your word and put uh-huh. a bit of money on it the weekend. If you put 100 quid on an accumulator of what I said, you'd have just under two and a half grand back. Yeah, see? So now, Simple as. When it comes around to after international break and Aaron's picks of the weeks Is come it? out, he's not full of shit. Not full of shit yet now. We'll see, we'll see how no, I get I'm on gonna be, I'm going to big you up because yeah, when, yeah, you, yeah. when you do fall down, I'm going to be I know, waiting. I know. I'm going to be waiting in the grass. So I was bang on with Wolves. Bang on at Wolves. Bang, bang on, on with Wolves. Everton. Bang on with Everton away to Palace. Yep. And bang on with West Ham beating beaten, um, Forest at home, which was actually a great game. Great result for West Ham. Great result for West Ham. After they were all by one on. goal, which someone yeah. said to me, but all those teams deserve to win, yes. which is the main point. Yes. There was no flukes there. We have to go to where we were wrong now, though. Yeah. And we were wrong, and we were wrong about Chelsea. We were wrong about Chelsea. We wrote them off. We wrote them off. We didn't think they had a chance. I will back you up and say Monday morning before the game ever started, you did say Chelsea had something that day. Yeah, I did. But on the podcast last week, but we, we both dismissed the game. That doesn't matter a shit. No, we both, miss, we both dismissed the game. It's good we were though. Wrong. We were wrong about um, Newcastle. Newcastle. Well. We, we didn't think of that that much. But we were... We, we, but we'll admit when we're wrong. We will admit when we're wrong. I st- yeah. I did not, I still, I, I didn't see Bournemouth happen enough for Newcastle no, I didn't there. Either. I really I didn't. Believe it. But we were, I do feel we were a bit, a bit quick off the mark there mm. to, to we were, do you know, we were quick off, you made me think about the last day when I started talking to you about Sheffield United and Brighton, you were like, hold on a minute, remember that? think about that. And I, and I went, I'll think about it. And then I went, you no, still I, won't, went I won't fucking think about that. Yeah, it's Brighton at home to Sheffield. But you had to think about it. But, um, it's international week, obviously, so it's all it's all games that no one gives a single shit about. Snooze fest. So on Friday we're gonna do our quarter kind of season review. We're gonna yeah. do a few things like our team of the season so far, underrated player, player that hasn't performed at all. All these things. It will actually be properly fleshed out during. I'm really looking forward to it. I actually. can't wait, and we're gonna do it where we're not together doing it. We have. Oh, it's gonna be a complete surprise. We're gonna devise the questions that we're gonna have, and we're yeah. gonna do our own teams, our own players, and we're gonna basically live with our mics record exactly what we both think and, and, and give each other our own honest opinions what we think so that's coming up on Friday which will be good so that was this week that was Monday's podcast yeah great savage weekend of football though it was I loved it yeah. full of goals Unbelievable. entertainment yeah. drama 
it's it was peak Premier League weekend that was no, shocks really as was. well it really was and it, and it ended on the best note of that 4-4 draw yeah, the first one, of, one in that's Pep's one of the, undoubtedly one of the best games in Premier League history that, that had you on the edge of your seat for the whole game uh, it, was, it was phenomenal but that's it see you so on, now on we've Friday slog through I the know. next week until what is very very exciting return of the Premier League actually when it comes it's back it's an but unbelievable we week save that we'll wait that for Friday until we need to exactly preview that so yeah pleasure as always see you folks thanks again for listening guys